Today, we handicap the quarterback competition from now until the beginning of September. And also, we look at two things that Ole Miss absolutely has to do if they want to win 10 games. Anyway, this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. You can see my Twitter handle down below. Also, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Also, thank you very much for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, up top for notifications when we release a new video and of course participate in the conversation by commenting down below and upvoting the video itself. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, handicapping this quarterback race, when you look at different things that happened, and today I spent a ton of time watching Spencer Sanders highlights and games that he played throughout his career. And honestly, impressive. It really is impressive to see. And you can see exactly why he is as, as confident as he is. Now, you also see moments with him that's a little bit head-scratching, and it all sounds familiar. Statistically, him and Jackson Dart are exactly the same quarterback. I mean, there's no difference. They run for about five or 600 yards. They throw for nearly 3,000. The same thing happens over and over again. But with um, Spencer Sanders, you do have a former Big 12 freshman of the year, um, offensive freshman of the year. And you have a chance for Jackson Dart to take a step after having a full year in this offense. All the coaching he has received for the last year is now to his advantage. Essentially, in this quarterback competition, for simplistic terms, Jackson Dart is sitting in the same chair that Luke Altmyer was this time last year. That's the way this looks. And I, I talk about with John Garcia how this is like Mike Tyson's punch out. And Jackson Dart is essentially going through fighters, and now he's at the big boss. Now he's at Mike Tyson. This conversation, this competition, will determine his legacy moving forward with Ole Miss football. He's got all the skills in the world. He's a five-tool player if he was a baseball player. He, he, he can do a little bit of everything. He just needs to you know, take away the rough edges. He needs to sand it down. He needs to be a little bit smoother, a little bit more pure, and he needs to use the middle of the field. But we'll talk about that in the second segment. But when you look at this quarterback competition right now, me breaking down where it would go, I think Jackson Dart has the advantage at the moment. He does. Like I said, he's got all the tools that any quarterback could want. He is the guy that I think is probably the favorite to win this job at this point. Now, these two scenarios are probably the two that Lane Kiffin want. He'll never admit it. He'll never say it out loud, but this is what he wants to happen. One of these two things happening, he's good. Either Jackson Dart wins the job and throws for 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, and six interceptions next year, or Spencer Sanders wins the job and throws for 3,500, you know, the same numbers. That is what he wants. What he does not want, in my opinion, is for Jackson Dart to win the job and have an average season to where it would make sense for him to come back to Ole Miss. 
I understand that Ole Miss fans see that and it might be foreign to them. But the reality is Walker Howard is sitting on that bench. And Walker Howard is the future of Ole Miss football. Undoubtedly. Seriously. Go binge his huddle highlights. Come back and talk to me. Tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Because this is somebody you want to get game reps this year. You want him to be at least the number two quarterback. Because those game reps are going to help him in 2024, which is the first year of the 12-team playoff, and we want to be able to make a run there. You want to be at arm's length where you can get there in 2024, in the conversation. And a lot of that, a lot of this year is going to have to deal with that. Now, this offense has weapons all over the place, more so than even last year. And... And knowing that, there's a chance that some different stuff could happen. The offense could be constructed in a different way. You don't need to hold the ball and throw the ball downfield. You may want to throw the ball downfield. You might you, you need to sometimes just immediately get the ball out of your hand. Just bam, bam, and start doing it like Matt Corral did in 2020 and 2021, and that can really fluster the linebackers. Jackson Dart needs to learn how to do that. That is the key to this competition, that and not turning over the football because between him and Spencer Sanders, not term, determine, turning over the football is probably going to be the deciding factor in this quarterback race. And if it goes on and is in the end of August, name Walker Howard. And seriously, if he's your future, he's the guy, you have that much confidence in there, you go ahead and name him even though you have Spencer Sanders, even though you have Jackson Dart, and you know both of those guys are eating up NIL budget. But if you're trying to build for the future and you're trying to build for experience and you might not have a 10-win team next year, Walker Howard would get invaluable experience for this 2024 run in which Ole Miss could be very well positioned for. But when you look at this quarterback race, I would put you know, Jackson Dart at like he's – Four to one, somewhere in there, to win the quarterback competition. Spencer Sanders is at five to one, and then you have somebody like Walker Howard at twelve to one. That that is probably how I would do this. I think Walker Howard has all the tools to quarterback this team. I mean, right now, I just think if there's a way that he can dip his toe in the pond, the same way that Eli Manning did behind Romero Miller, that would be beneficial for him moving forward. He's got four years of eligibility. There's no need to rush him on the field right now. If you can get him good reps on the field, the same way that, honestly, Tua did when Jalen Hurts was quarterback in that first year when Tua was there, if they can do the same thing, Ole Miss is going to be in position to be successful. And that is what we all want. Whoever wins this quarterback competition, Ole Miss is going to be better for it because iron sharpens iron. That's the way this works. And Jackson Dart being pushed and always looking over his shoulders means that he's going to get better. He now has a year's worth of experience to draw from in this offense and things that he needs to correct. Now, he just needs to put it together. Spencer Sanders has a ton of experience. I think the acclimation is going to be a lot shorter than most people. Let's say two weeks into spring, he will probably be at full go at that point. I mean, he's he's a married guy. He's a man. And he's a little bit different style of a quarterback than Jackson Dart. Even though the numbers, it's almost statistically identical people 
the numbers, the way they go about it is a little bit different. Spencer Sanders is a dynamic runner, a twitchy runner. He's a good zone read quarterback. He's good in the deep game. He's also pretty quick in the middle of the field, which we'll talk about in the next segment, by the way. And Walker Howard, he honestly has the complete package. He's Matt Corral, in my opinion. And if you watch his film, you'll see it as well. He has the chance to eventually get ready. And it's up to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin to get him ready by the first game of 2024. That's the deadline. First game of 2024. He needs to do whatever he needs to do right now to get him ready for the first game of 2024. That's two spring practices and a fall practice. He has a chance to get him reps that are needed to get him ready to go. Get him the game reps, the mop-up reps in the game. Don't just hand the ball off to the running back. Let him run the offense. If you need to take the starting quarterback out of the game a little bit earlier than you would, you do that so your quarterback can do the things that need to be done. Matt Corral against Louisiana Monroe was like 9 for 9 and 130 yards, over and over throwing the ball to Elijah Moore. That game was incredibly important for his development. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today and get started with 150 bucks in free bets. Guaranteed. That's when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets, from money line to point spreads to even player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a better, bigger payout with same-game parlay. All on an app that is safe, secure, and easy to use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your live your first $5 bet on to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at the FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Now make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You can hear from big-name experts and insiders and coaches and players. Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, now we're going to talk about what Ole Miss needs to do, what they're working for. They started Monday on their county fair stuff, their their off-season work started Monday. They're building toward a central goal. These two things are needed for Ole Miss to win 10 games. If we want Ole Miss to win 10 games, these things are imperative. And a lot of it has to do with confidence, and we'll see exactly how it plays out because you could get to the season and it could be the same old, same old. It just could. Or if you see these things, you'll know that something's a little bit different. First of all, is the offense needs to use the middle of the field. Bill Flowers started talking about this during the football season. People are all mad at Bill all year about talking about what Ole Miss needed to do and what they were failing to do, and that came back to bite them at the end of the season. They need to use the middle of the field. This is an offense that tortures linebackers. To do that, you need to get them thinking multiple things in one time. 
whether they're going forward, to the left or right, backing up in pass coverage, they need to have all those thoughts in their heads because it's going to create false steps. The jet sweeps, the snaps, the jet sweep game needs to be a, a factor in this offense. This offense is so much better whenever that is used, and that is a threat and that is a weapon. The motion and everything else becomes a plus motion, a plus, honestly, a run game. The inside zone becomes more effective because of that. The second thing that Ole Miss needs to do is the slot receiver and the tight end. And in, and in this year, I think we might have a little 12 personnel with Trigg and Priestcorn on the field. They both need to figure out how to inflict damage behind the linebackers. Whenever you run an RPO and you don't hand off that inside zone, you need to make them worried about what's behind you. Okay? If you can do that, if they take a false step one way or another, Quinshawn Judkins, Kedrick Riscano have both shown the ability to take a direct hit and because of their lateral movement, make a glancing hit. Take a glancing hit and make it into a miss. So if they take a false step and they're just a split second to their run fit later than they need to be, Quinshawn Judkins and Kedrick Riscano is going to break that tackle. That takes a three-yard run and makes a seven-yard run. And if that happens over and over again, you've got linebackers that lose confidence. They're pressing up to try and stop the run. They're doing what they can do. And all of a sudden behind them, Priestcorn and Trigg or Jordan Watkins becomes available. And the safety creeps up to try and take that away because they have to because the linebackers are working so hard. I know I'm in the weeds. Just bear with me. Whenever that safety creeps up, then the outside receivers going deep, you got shots at deep plays and all the explosives that are known for in the Lane Kiffin offense. This offense is simple, but it's not easy. Their goal is pretty straightforward whenever they can do it, but not something that you can take for granted as we saw in 2022. If Ole Miss can attack that middle of the field, if they can get back to torturing linebackers, like I like to say, this offense has a chance to be elite in 2023. With the weapons they have all over the place, they have a chance to be great. No matter who wins the quarterbacking job, it's all there. Whoever wins the job, the offense being great could absolutely happen. Now, defensively. Defensively, they need to fix the physics problem. That the first 20 Let's see. Let's go 2021 into 2022. They started 7 and 0. They went 10 and 2. So they were 17 and 2, right? But four teams figured out how to attack this defense. And they did absolutely figure out how to attack this defense. I think Vanderbilt did it, honestly. They might not have been good enough to completely exploit it, but they put it on paper for others to attack it that well. That little off-tackle belly play to where you can run the ball into multiple tight ends to where you have a 260-pound defensive end, a 215-pound linebacker, and a 200-pound defensive back going up against two 250-pound tight ends and an offensive tackle. That's a mismatch every time. They figured it out. They figured out how to do it. So the physics problem and taking away that play is Pete Golding's number one job because we do have the same personnel. We might be doing things differently, but we still have the same personnel. So how we go about stopping that? Whenever we do... 17 and 2 or 3. Whenever um they figured it out, Ole Miss was 1 and 5. So this this is a big deal defensively. Once they figured it out, everything changed. 
And I think that's the reason that you see Barry Odom, um, Chris Partridge, and all of those guys out of the league because it got figured out. Ole Miss lost to Alabama this year because Saban just went back and figured that out. And start, Ole Miss forced Alabama to go back and play that way because there was one way to beat this defense. It's crazy. LSU did the same thing. But once Vanderbilt put that blueprint down on paper, everybody just followed it. And in the Big 12, teams were willing to put a square peg in a rail hole and do whatever they do. In the SEC, once they saw something that would beat you, they were okay with beating you. They would completely change what they do in order to beat you. Unless you're Jimbo. So, we'll see exactly what they do and if they can do that. But if Ole Miss can change that physics problem and stop that play, which I honestly think they will, and if Ole Miss does that, you're looking at a top 50, top 60 defense. If they can do that, they have a chance at 10 wins. If they're in top 30, it's Katie bar the door at that point because you have defensive linemen. People are going to talk about it, and we talked yesterday about why they're recruiting so many. But if you look, I, I can give you a two deep across the front three. I can give you a two deep at the jack, which is a hybrid position between linebacker and defensive line. Linebacker, probably some work that needs to be done, but it is being worked on right now. And if this defense becomes what I think it can become, and that is an attacking defense that plays behind the line of scrimmage, Maybe gives up yards. Maybe they're a top 60 defense, but they're a top 20 defense on takeaways. If Ole Miss can become that, they're going to win 10 games next year. And you can celebrate it. You can look forward to everything because they have the talent and the elite offense to do it. It's absolutely elite. Yes, Jackson Dart needs to take a step. Either that or he's going to get beat out by Spencer Sanders. Either that or both of them might get beat out by Walker Howard. Whoever wins this job, Ole Miss will be better for it. And that should scare the heck out of everybody in the SEC. Yes, I know that Ole Miss goes to Tuscaloosa. Yes, I know that Ole Miss goes to Athens. Yes, I know LSU is a defending SEC West champion. This Ole Miss team, as it sits, roughly two things away from being uber successful, just like they were in 2021. They're not far away. This isn't this isn't 2011. This isn't 2010. That isn't what happened last year. What happened last year is somebody figured out a hole in this defense and everybody chose to exploit it. Even Mike Leach, God rest his soul, chose to exploit that hole and became a running threat. Even he didn't want to put a square peg into a round hole playing offense. It, I mean, it's... It's pretty fantastic, honestly, to see the SEC coaches do this. It it really is kind of a higher level. But most of those guys are gone, except for DJ Durkin and the rumors is Chris Partridge might end up going to AM. But if that happens, Quinshawn's going to run for another big day. Kedra Criscano is going to run for a big day if that defense happens because there's there's just a hole. It just is what it is. They found it. They exploited it. It is what it is. When we come back, John Garcia is going to talk about Chim Diono and also the Ole Miss quarterback position and Kedra Criscano a little bit, the signee. So we were going to talk to him in just a second right after this. 
All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, participate in the conversation by commenting down below and upvoting the video itself. I am here with John Garcia. And before we get started, I do want to let you know that LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. John, we are creeping up to that late signing day. Really only one name that we can look at because there's not really any other prospects. There's a couple of rumors right there. But Chim Diono, the linebacker out, um, he was the former Old Dominion commit, bet on himself, took some visits, kind of blew up in the late period. What are you hearing about Chimdy? Well, Chimdy's coming to Oxford this weekend, so I, I think Ole Miss will have its shot. We know uh, that the new offensive line coach, Coach Garrison, has been up in, in his native Northeast and has really done a good job keeping the Rebels in this recruitment because at different points it's felt like the Big Ten schools were sort of pulling away. And this is a three Big Ten versus one SEC school race down the home stretch, he saw Rutgers before early signing day. And then the last two weekends, or last week in Michigan State, and then Penn State the weekend before that. And there's really been a lot of Penn State smoke. I think Michigan State is trying to close that gap. So here comes Ole Miss there at the 11th hour. You know, it's it's gone head-to-head with both Penn State and Michigan State successfully over the last few years uh, on the recruiting trail. Kendrick Roscano comes to mind in, in, in this class. But, yeah, it, it's going to be tough going against those Big Ten programs. But Ono's never been to Oxford. He's never really been an SEC-level recruit until right now. And like you said, he bet on himself to get there. So it will be interesting to see what kind of a counter Ole Miss presents itself as. I mean, you get into the Grove, you get into that part of, of this country, and it feels different than it does in State College or East Lansing in particular. No disrespect to Rutgers, but I think it's the other two Big Ten teams to worry about. So I wonder how that counter will be received by a chimney and his family. You know, there's really no way to put an expectation on it, but he's still taking the Ole Miss visit. He is confirmed. He's still down to these four programs and he's saying the right things. It's all even in his mind. So we'll see again when those 48 hours elapse in Oxford, just how he feels right before signing day. You want to be first or last on the visit front. And, and that's where Ole Miss is for one of its really, like you said, final targets in this high school recruiting class of 23. So, you know, it's not going to be just hanging out with your position coach in Oxford. Lane will be there. Other coaches will be there. Pete Golding probably stops by. This is an all hands on deck, red carpet type of final official visit. So I think that'll be big for the Rebels chances to swing late for a big time riser. Yeah, for sure. And since you brought his name up, Keter Criscano in the Polynesian Bowl, he did something you don't see very often. 100 yards, had a game-winning touchdown. I told people, whenever you watch an all-star game, you see a running back, the stat line is usually five carries for 30 yards. And that, yeah. would, that was a pretty good day. It is rare to see somebody go 10 for 100 yards against that level of competition with that offensive line. It's funny because right when you said that, the first two guys that came to mind that had big games in all-star settings – were Jerry and Ely and Zach Evans, who both they did that at the Under Armour game. Obviously, eventually each ended up at Ole Miss making big plays for the Rebels. So I think there's something to be said for that. That Polynesian Bowl field was loaded, especially 
in the trenches, as you would expect. So I think that's where you, you see just kind of the complete package that Roscano is based off of that production. He, he's got a little bit of everything. The size is great. He runs with a low center of gravity. Contact balance is really strong. We'll remind you a little bit of Quinchon Judkins coming out of high school. But I think he's got another gear that he's been able to show in terms of getting to top speed. He gets there in a hurry, and that's something that can help you rack up plays in chunks just like he did uh, out way on the West Coast there uh, in Hawaii. So huge late get for Ole Miss and another, like like you said earlier, another head-to-head win over Michigan State who you might be battling again for Ono before all is said and done. Yeah, indeed. So let's change gears real quick and talk about the quarterback room where Ole Miss went from like kind of a desert. It was Jackson Dart and a couple of walk-ons to all of a sudden have potentially the most stacked quarterback room in the Southeastern Conference. And uh, that just blows my mind. Talk about your first impressions of this scenario. Well, all eyes are on Jackson Dart at this point for me because this is if this isn't a wake-up call, I'm not sure uh, what what it could look like otherwise. Uh, you you were the starter last year, didn't work out at the end of the cycle, and now you're going to have to kind of win it all over again against very different competition than Luke Altmaier. So I, I like what Ole Miss did from a variance perspective. You you want volume. Look, that's important. You need bodies in this quarterback room because, look, it's the SEC. These schedules are getting longer. These seasons are getting longer. You're going to go through some type of attrition. But you also need different styles. You need different profiles from quarterbacks to go in and compete if you aren't quite sure if your returning starter is the guy. So with Dart, of course, you get this traditional dual threat with a huge arm uh, and some toughness and size to that uh, and some polish in the passing game a little bit to be desired. With Sanders, you get a ton of experience. You do still get a lot of that athleticism and that movement element, but you get a lot more real game, real time experience against a, a league that we're starting to find out was was a lot better than we thought the last few years in, in the Big 12. And then with Walker Howard, you're, you're getting your long-term upside guy. This is the, the, the blue chip, high pedigree, high efficiency quarterback with the best arm and the best high school career coming into the situation. But, you know, he had a year at LSU where he got to learn a lot on top of it. So I'm not discounting Walker Howard in this race. And, and that's the thing. I think it's a real race. Um, a lot of times when we talk about transfer portal quarterbacks, especially when you bring in a, a grad transfer, it's really like, okay, it's his job and we'll see what happens thereafter. I'm not sure it's that simple at Ole Miss. And that's a good thing. It's going to make spring practice that more intense for that room and for the decision makers thereafter, obviously at the top with Lane Kiffin, it's going to make more people dial in to Ole Miss football, which we know the, the man at the top wants that uh, as well. And then of course, most importantly, it's going to help the cream rise to the top. And I think by the end of spring ball, you're going to see some type of movement between these three guys. And potentially on the back end, you could see one of these guys bow out of the race by leaving the school altogether. I think that is as modern a quarterback situation as, as you can have. Three very different skill sets. And, and you know it's not going to work out for all three of them. But as of January 24th, as we record this, that's a good spot for Lane Kiffin to be in because he wants to charge up this team going into the new year, going into you know his fourth year where, where this roster is all his, this will be all Lane Kiffin in the end. And I think this is about how, how well he could have drawn that up. 
Yeah, the one way I've tried to explain to people a little bit about what's going on with Jackson Dart and this whole thing is it's kind of like Mike Tyson's punch out. You know, again, <laughs> USC, he fought against Bald Bull, Keaton Slovis, and won that job. Last year, he took down Super Macho Man um, to get the job, and now he has Mike Tyson. He's at the end. The big boss is here. And this competition will be, honestly, his legacy at Ole Miss. If he, if he pulls this off, he has a chance to really perform well because there's a chance that he throws for 3,500 yards next year, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions or eight interceptions or something like that, and just goes to the NFL and it's Walker Howard's team. But if he struggles and allows Spencer Sanders to take the job, Jackson Dart's probably gone. He's probably in the window. Spencer Sanders does a year. And either way, it goes over next year to Walker Howard. It, that's kind of my feeling in this deal. I'm with you. I think, yeah, all eyes start on Dart. But, yeah, they can move off of him really quickly. And it's going to be telling. Again, this is exactly what you want. You want to put that pressure on this guy to see if he is that long-term solution. Because, uh, yeah, it could. you get the sense almost, Stephen, that it's going to – whoever the guy is – it's going to work out pretty well for them offensively. This uh, O-line is retooled through the portal and high school. Uh, these receivers, my gosh, every year they're they're presenting so differently, but they're just as talented, maybe more so in 2023, maybe more depth in 2023 than we've seen the last couple of years. So in theory, Michael Trigg comes back as well. In theory, you've got the opportunity to step into a, a quick path to the NFL, as you mentioned. Um, but on the other side of it, you, you could be looking for a school – in four months as well. So it, it is that tricky, but look, that's, that's the model of quarterback rooms in this modern age of college football. Georgia is going to go through it. Alabama is going to go through it. Ohio state is going to go through it. And, and you know, they were all 11 plus win teams and two of the three went to the playoff last year. So if you want to be among the best, this is the type of quarterback room and turnover that has to get you there. All right. I got a comp, you know, I like to do comps on this. And so Walker Howard, I've got a comp. And the comp is Matt Corral. What do you think? Oh, Ole Miss fans would love that. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no uh, way you could sort of taint that reputation uh, in Oxford, in my opinion, especially relative to where he began, the turnovers, just that reputation and the perception shifting all the way towards, you know, however high he finished in the, in the darn Heisman Trophy race at the end of the year. I like it. Walker's a little bit bigger. Uh, I think he's a little bit more polished coming out of high school, um, but he's got some of that same mobile ability. I think he can run a modern offense the way Corral ran it, and I thought that was his his biggest strength at Ole Miss. It wasn't the arm or the toughness or the legs. It was how he ran the offense, you know, the actual foundation of, of quarterbacking, playing point guard out there and moving fast while you do it, kind of being the on-field Lane Kiffin. And if Walker can do that mentally, physically, he's he's there and then some compared to Matt Corral. So that's about uh, as, as good a comp and scenario you could create for that Rebel fan base. All right, one more question before I let you go today. Now, Michael Trigg. You know, you brought him up earlier, and I just thought about that. With Caden Priestcorn being recruited, who is an all-AAC-level tight end coming in, is there a chance Ole Miss is running some 12 personnel and maybe playing Michael Trigg in the slot as more of a plus-wide receiver than a tight end? Absolutely. That's what he kind of wants to do anyway. He won't tell you that, I don't think. 
But look, this is look at Evan Ingram in the NFL now with the Jags. That's basically what Michael Trigg is supposed to be. He wants to be this jumbo plus sized wide receiver. And look, in high school, I never saw him in line. At USC, he barely did it. And, and we didn't see it much uh, early in, in the old Miss impression. That's where he's most comfortable playing on the outside with that ability to, to win one on one and overwhelm a back seven defender. And I think that's the best case scenario for Ole Miss. It, again, the targets have reloaded and then some from a pass catcher perspective and having balanced tight ends to where you can trot out two tight ends. I don't remember the last time I saw that consistently at Ole Miss. That is a huge advantage that will not only help whoever that quarterback is, it's going to help the running game simultaneously. So again, Ole Miss has a chance to fall forward in a big way in 23, and obviously the health and progression of Michael Trigg is going to be a big part of that. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. John, thank you so much for coming by today, and we'll catch up with you either right before signing day or right after, bud. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for having me on. All right.